0: Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at TheBrokenToken.com. Abhat, Azathoth,
1: Vanessa? Vanessa? I don't know, she's played too much Arkham Horror. Boy, uh, in this episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names, we review the game gentus plus tell you about our big Halloween event barbecue where we played lots of games, had lots of friends, and ate lots of barbecue. Barbecue? When do we eat? Hello, and welcome to episode
0: number one thirty-one of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. My name is Tony, and this is Marty, and this is Time by Pink Floyd. Hmm, what a song. What a song, Marty. I'm sure that you have something to tell me about this.
1: Wow, Tony. We could have just done this naturally where it's like I was going to share this little tidbit, but you had to go, oh... Marty, I'm sure that you have something to say about
0: this song. Because you have. In the past few episodes, you've always come in with a tidbit.
1: I, I know, I do. But come on, let's not like, you know, you're supposed to be surprised when I come in here with this wealth of knowledge. Like, it was just off the top of my head and not researched today before we recorded.
0: What's so funny is normally you don't have the name of the song until right before we record,
1: so <laughs> you're putting okay. more pressure on me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's Okay. Touche. Touche. By the way, um, this is a time from Pink Floyd from Dark Side of the Moon. Do you like that album? Oh, love that album. Love it. Love it. So does a lot of people. Wouldn't you say that Uh, As far as rock albums, that's got to be one of the top rock albums of all time. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's right underneath Frampton Alive. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one, too. But no, that's one of those. When people mention their classic rock albums, that's always one of them. People going right. You see people wearing the T-shirts with the prism. Yeah. And it's a a concept album. Anyway, so good. But this song, Time. Now, at the very beginning of it, uh, you know those clocks that are going off? In fact, it sounds... Well, let me just play a little snippet of it. Okay, so all those clocks right there. There's a little story behind those clocks, Tony. The engineer Alan Parsons was playing around with quadraphonic recording. Now, is that the same Alan Parsons from Alan Parsons Project? Okay, way to take my next tidbit of information <laughs> that I'm coming out with later. Yes, it is. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, my bad. So quadraphonic. That you knew they had stereo. And they came out, they wanted to see, okay, can we go four channels? So he was mucking around in an antique store. He recorded each one of those clocks going off one at a time and then mixed it. And what he did is he played it back for the members of Pink Floyd going, hey, check out this quadraphonic recording. And they liked it so much, they said, keep it and stick it at the beginning of this song. And yes, Alan Parsons is the engineer who went on to create the Alan Parsons Project, who in the early 80s released his own song called Time that I'd forgotten. Do, do you remember? It's that slow song. It sounds like this. Okay, remember?
0: Okay, I've, I've forgotten about that. So there's a lot of songs about time, like Share. No,
1: I'm so glad you didn't pick that one. Oh, I'm so glad because I, I, I didn't Turn
0: have the, I, back time. I,
1: oh, jeez. Now, that's going to be stuck in a lot of people's head. Thanks. I mean, you you put time by Pink Floyd in their head to kick off, and they're in that mood, and that's all of a sudden you've got turned back time by share. Hey, but you know what? This is a gaming podcast, <laughs> which we always tend to go off in this tangent. But wait, I have something to add to
0: your facts. Did you know that Dark Side of the Moon has been in the top 200 probably longer than any other album, and when Google... Sold on their Play Store, Dark Side of the Moon for ninety nine cents.
1: It shot up to number thirteen. Wow! And I'm I'm not surprised. It is it, it's such a classic. And here's something else. I just remembered. Do you remember in the mid nineties where there was this thing where people said that the Wizard of Oz movie synced up with Dark Side of the Moon? No. Oh, you don't? No, no clue. Oh, there was this whole craze where you put on The Wizard of Oz, but turn down the sound. And at a certain point at the beginning of the movie, you start playing Dark Side of the Moon and the lyrics match what's going on on the screen. I did not know that. And so people theorize that there's no way it was coincidence. Well, come to find out it was. I mean, some of it was kind of fudge, but there were some things in there that was like, holding kind out of like he was talking about, uh, there's, there's some reference to like wind and storm, which is right during, uh, the time the, the tornadoes going off. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, all these little things that that's happening in the lyrics of the whole album. But anyway, anyway, that was just, okay. since you didn't experience it, but I remember my first house sitting there and doing that one night. Wow. I heard it was best done. If you had some drugs, I'm sure. And then they said it really synced up even more. But uh, no, I I didn't go down that path. I'm glad you didn't. Mushrooms, maybe. (laughs) I had a mushroom burger that night, maybe. Maybe. I mean, that could have helped you.
0: But like you were saying, we're a board gaming podcast all about board games and movies and music and...
1: (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't know it. You wouldn't. And food. And food. And and I'm not going to mention food because that tends to shoot to the top of the conversation on our guild whenever we mention food. I got no food to even mention. Do later. You got lots of food to mention. Yeah, because later on, we're going to be talking about our first ever Boo BQ that we had. And we've been talking about this for a while, Tony, about uh, getting a bunch of people over and uh, having some food, having some games. And so we'll be talking about how that came about. And man, there was a lot of games played that day. And we'll talk about all those. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot
0: of food. Oh, my heavens. Yeah. There was food everywhere. So good. So good. So good. Oh, who, whoever brought those bugles covered in
1: white chocolate. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Yeah. The shark's teeth from my brother-in-law. Was that who that? Is, yeah. What oh. a great idea. What a great idea. You take almond bark, you melt it and you take a bugle and dip it in it where it looks like a tooth. Oh, I love salt and sweet together. So good. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing an in-depth review of Gentis. It's about time it's <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll get into that why it's about time sort of deal this is a game from uh spielworks that we got to the table that uh, we're excited to uh, talk about too but uh there's a lot of little topics tony and i were like, like what do you want to talk about and it's like all oh, these little topics started coming up and that we wanted to mention and I'm always into reading news and things that are going on. And one of my favorite sites, Tony, that you actually turned me on to this is ICV2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that site. It just has little daily snippets of news and stuff that's going on. Well, uh, a little over a week ago, there was this article that they had where WizKids is now licensing Games Workshop games. So the idea is they're going to take their IP. Now it used to be with fantasy flight games, right? Right. They broke yeah. apart. So now they've kind uh, have they've given some of the license over to WizKids to make some um, board games, uh, some dice games. Going to release uh, Talisman. and I'm just really into Games Workshop now because I am hooked on the game Shadespire. Oh, really? I wouldn't know that. I would have no clue that you are hooked on the game of Shadespire. No clue. Oh my gosh, it is so good. It is the perfect merger for somebody like me who loves CCGs and LCGs, but I'm a casual miniature gamer. This is the perfect merger between the two because at its core, it's a card game that's uh, being played out with miniatures. I, I know. I've heard this time and time again. In fact, right now, my son Travis is down there in the down there down there. Can you see where I'm pointing? Yeah. I'm. Um, is downstairs in the basement painting, and I'm getting behind because I've still got to, to paint my figures. So, we need to uh, hurry up and get done here so that I can go down and uh, and paint some figures with him. Anyway, but you've ordered more. You haven't just. Oh no, you are going <laughs> whole hog into this. Okay, maybe I did pre-order the the two uh, factions that are coming out this week, but there's. They're dirt cheap. Online, $25 for a brand new faction, which has all the models you'll ever need for that faction, plus a whole bunch of new cards. And some of those are neutral cards that you can use in other sets. 25 bucks. Well, think about that. An LCG pack is 15 So only $10 mm-hmm. more. You're getting the miniatures and everything. That can be used in the Age of Sigmar game if you happen to play it, too. So anyway, I'm excited to see what WizKids does uh, with the license. Everybody was immediately started saying, please re-release Forbidden Stars and do an expansion. We reached out to them and they said, well, we don't have that one yet. But, you know, fingers crossed. Maybe they'll do really well. And and somehow, because I'm not sure how they could get that because that was designed under FFG. But
0: you never know. Man, I should really read our emails that come in. I didn't know we did that. That's pretty cool. It was on Twitter. Oh, then I know I didn't read that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And if it showed up on Instagram, you wouldn't have seen that either, I'm sure. I was going to
0: say, did you know there's an Instagram page you could associate with? I didn't have no clue about this. I mean, I am so behind the times in technology. I mean, it took my 486 processor a little while to get cranked up, so we're ready to go here tonight. You're sad. I know. I can't help it that I'm sad. Okay, speaking of sad, so you know I am a big fan
1: of the... Deck Builder Ascension. Yes, you are. You, you have been a fan of that game for many, many years. And how many games have you logged online? This is where the sad part comes in. Uh-oh.
0: Because I, I went and checked, knowing that we were recording tonight, and we, I needed to make sure I had my numbers right. But ever since I've gotten the game, I have played over four hundred and forty-two games of Ascension.
1: Wow!
0: Is that against other people, or is that? Yeah, that's that's against against other people. I mean, I think half of them have been against our good buddy Dan Patrice over at the Geek All Stars, who who he and I are constantly going. And Scott King, Scott King, and I usually have two or three games going at once with different decks and versions going on. And then Kevin Barron, he's in there with me now. And, and I mean, there I just go out and play. Now I did encounter somebody that. I'm sure you can't do this. But I asked Dan, I said, Dan, is it possible to cheat in this game online? He didn't know, but sometimes he wonders too. And we went back and forth, actually on direct message on Twitter, you would have been proud of me because I, I went and looked at the log and there was no way that this guy could have played. That set of cards, it just didn't make sense to me. Hmm. I know. And I was like, I mean, I could, you know, dig into it a lot more. It's not worth it. This game is fun. It's fast for me. There's some hate on Ascension. I know that. And that's fine. You either like it or you love it. And obviously, 442 times, I kind of like it. Either you like it or
1: you love it? You either like it or you love it. You can't <laughs> hate on this. No, you can, there is no hate on this game. Still, still to this day, you know what turned me off from that game? The art. The art. I remember at Gen Con at 2010 when I sat down at that Game and loved the mechanics. And the art just turned me off. I need to reintroduce you to the newest.
0: I told you, I mean, Dreamscapes, I got you to play Dreamscapes. Yes, I enjoyed that. That was fun. The art was good. It was kind of flowy, ethereal, and things like that. Now, they've come out with... Now, Gift of the Elements was also released just this, but now they've even followed up with Valley of the Ancients, and that's the one we got. Valley of the Ancients has two new keywords called Echo, where they look at what's in your discard pile, and that, okay. is, that is so cool that you got to control what is in your discard pile. But then they have these temples that people are fighting control over. And by gaining temples, you are controlling or changing how your deck is built from the standpoint that you can discard cards, or you can add additional runes to your card. or And it's just a neat kind of give and take where you're fighting over them because they're also worth additional victory points at the end. Yes, yeah, another game that has victory points, but that's okay. I'm good with that. But that's all it really adds, Smarty. But it's—I enjoy that. I love that battling over, and it ramps up so quick compared to some of the other versions of Ascension that I've played on the iPad. It, it's kind of—you know—with all deck builders, you got to get going and get going and get going. But man, once you get that initial surge going, then boom, it's over in no time. And that's what's happened on the couple times I've played it. Um, I've played it solo, and I've also played it—you know—me against me. And I usually win when I play me (laughs) against me. Hey, I mean, if you're an Ascension fan, they said Gift of the Elements added a lot of neat interaction and reminded them back of the original Ascension game. This one, I think, is another good one to just, if you enjoy Ascension, definitely give it a look, especially from the Temples. I'm looking forward to adding that back to Dreamscape, and I cannot wait for the Valley to make it onto the iPad because sure enough, as soon as Gift of the Elements hit, which I know will be soon, and Valley hits,
1: I'll be purchasing both of those for the iPad. And see, that's what's so sad. No, that's not sad. I, th- I think that's great. And I think it's great that a game like this has had that much of a longevity and they're able to come out with new stuff and, and still generate a lot of interest, <laughs> which, is, which is kind of funny because you and I went to the game store the other night. We That's where we played Gentis, And afterwards, I always like to talk to the game store owner about... What's going on in the games? What What's hot and stuff? And I happened to see Star Wars Destiny boosters sitting there. And I said, so, uh, Hey, uh, Rob, how's this game doing? And he just looked at me, gave like a thumbs down. I went, it's dead. He went, yeah, pretty much. Now, Tony, remember back in the uh, spring or earlier on this show, I remember us telling the audience about how we went and booster boxes would come in and people were buying cases of these things, opening them in there and then filling the trash cans full of wrappers and boxes. I mean, at that store, it was a huge hit. And now in just a matter of months, it's gone down to the store owner said, yeah, there has only been one pre-order and I'm going to hardly carry any at all. Why is
0: that? Is it Did something else come out, Legends of the Five Ring, that could have done that
1: or what caused it? Well, he said, Now, number one, you, under your breath, you said Legend of the Five Rings. Happened? He said that actually was in one of the things. His store is becoming a very popular L5R store. Right. A lot of people have jumped on that. He said what a lot of people have found out is that they're completionists and they're tired of doing that. He said he's had people in his store to spend over $2,000 so far on this game. And they threw their hands up and said, I can't do it anymore. I can't because they feel like I have to get every single character. You have to get like every legendary character and to maximize it, you have to have two of that character. I said, but isn't that just like magic? And he said, he said, no, because my magic players aren't completionists. He said they can just kind of go out and they buy on the market what they need. And it's not super expensive. They can just go out and buy the rares that they want. He was reaching for ideas about why it's not selling all of a sudden. But he said, number one, l5r did drive a lot of people away from it. And he said just the the cost to maintain and keep playing it. And, but that's just one store. Now, I know there's a store north of Charlotte that still has weekly Destiny events. So I still think it's going strong there. But this is one store that was hot on Destiny, and now it's not. And I got to give props to our good buddy Mark Kell from the Scurry Report. Because I remember he said last year, he said, this game will be dead within a year. And he was standing beside us when we talked to the store owner. And he looked at me, he said, I told you. He said, I just missed it by a few months I said, well, maybe dead here. I don't know if it's dead everywhere. But still, that's, it was just interesting that this game turned so quick. I don't know why. Like we said,
0: we were guessing at some of the things. I mean, you and I got out of it. I got out of it because I was like, you know what? I'm not enjoying the meta. I like that. I like the mechanics of the game. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the dice. I enjoyed playing the game. I liked how quickly it played. I enjoyed the randomness of the game. But, you know, once you got, once it reminded me of having to go out and get legendaries or epics or mega super rares, I was just like, you know what? I just don't need this. I I could pick up a game like, oh, I don't know, Shadow
1: Spire, Shade Spire and have a full army right there for me. Well, any LCG I can do that. I think that's what the, the appeal of the LCG is, is the fact there is you don't have to uh, chase anything uh, down to get it. I don't know. Those
0: LCGs now with all, I mean, it's like every day. This core or this portion of this game has just come out for this month. I'm like, oh, my gosh. These things are everywhere. And
1: also he said that they just did a whole, not a re-release of rules, but they they changed some of the base rules. They changed some of the text on some of the cards. And I think that ticked off a lot of people too, because within one year, it's like, uh-oh, we've already got to change text on cards to fix some balancing issues and change some of the basic rules. I think people are like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of step away and, and sell my stuff and, and move on from there. So again, uh, another store in Charlotte, still hot and heavy on it. Uh, here, you know, a year ago, three stores were big into it. Now it looks like it's down to one. So we'll we'll see where it goes. Yeah, but I did see some people playing Ashes. Oh, yes, you did. And our, our good buddies who, because they just released the expansions. So they came out with new expansions with the new dice, which is really cool. So, yeah. Is that how you do it? Give people
0: what they want, then hold off for a year, and then come back out with an expansion? Wow. Say? I'm just kidding. Throwing shade on Plaid Hat Games. It's just funny. We were like, oh, Ashes, Ashes, and then... I can't even find my cards again. I've packed them away and lost them. Speaking about getting hard into, I got a chance to try this game called Super Hard. Super Hard. Super Super
1: Hard. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's that's a Kickstarter we said we were not going to talk about. That's right. Super Hot, the card game.
0: Now, you Hmm. told me this was a video game. Uh, Yeah. I don't know anything about this. (laughs)
1: Well, just because you don't know about it doesn't mean that it's not there. Yeah, this is a video game that uh, it was a pretty ambitious video game that was uh, in development uh, for a while where the idea is that you shoot, but the bullet and stuff doesn't move until you move. Mm. So it's like you shoot a gun, everything stops. But as soon as you start pressing the forward button, then time starts advancing. It's a okay. really cool uh, little mechanic. But yes, yes, it was a video game before it was this card game. Uh, let's see. I got it out, read the
0: instructions, the instruction book. I'm like, hey, this is flowing pretty good. Got the cards on the table. Was teaching myself the game. And I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. running into a problem here, Marty. What's that? Once again, text on the cards. I appreciate I'm trying to keep the font size up, but just one more word could help me. For example, there is a card that when, it, when you move... They've got the maneuver phase in there, so when you're moving, things are uh, happening. It says draw an additional card. Mm-hmm. There are th- two decks. From where do I draw it? From the obstacle row, or do I draw it from my player deck? It says draw an additional card, but I'm I'm past the player phase, but I'm supposed to be doing the op the um obstacle phase where you activate cards in that row and that's how if you get bullets in your hand you lose if you run out of cards you lose but i'm just like oh man so i was trying to attempt to play it
1: i'll admit little things like that can sometimes hurt your attempts at learning games for sure was it not clear in the book like maybe some sort of reference that says hey when a card says draw a card it means this deck or anything like that
0: no no nothing there and i know i am slow I will admit it. I, I am slow at picking up on these kinds of things. I'm sure it was. it's obvious to the most casual gamer. But for me, it was just like, all right, time to reset. Try to replay this. And they've got these objective cards that you have to get through. And some of them uh, have an icon on it of a bullet. And it says, remove bullet from hand two times. I'm like, okay, I understand that. But... They don't go into any examples of how to do it. it I mean, it's the rule the rules were well written, but when you start playing the game, it's like, okay, I'm missing some things here, and what that happens with a lot of games. Yeah, it does. So I've played with you. Yeah, I know, and then it's my explanation <laughs> plus the rules plus the iconography on a card can really mess you up. I am I appreciate that. I can own that. <laughs> That's about the time somebody
1: at the table says, "Can I see the rule book?"
0: Yeah, let me see that rule book. Let me let me see let me see that rule book real quick. It's like oh, crap. But but I got to give it some more so I'll come back to it. I'm sure you'll hear me talk about it again cuz I'll say, "Hey, Marty, this is a great game. I can't believe I was so stupid." But or Tony is an idiot. Part of the BGG Guild number 1589 polls weekly options. Tony is an idiot just but this time it was Tony is a great pumpkin. Yeah, so if you're not a member of our guild, you're missing some incredible polls. Oh man, the food one was just happening. Now we got. I got to come up with another game poll. <laughs> it's rare that we actually have a real game poll. It's every other week. You don't pay attention. You just click on the buttons.
1: <laughs> I, just, I
0: just select Tony as an idiot and move on. I don't read
1: what the poll is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people do that. I think people are trying to wait the poll results just to see if I get offended by it. No, I'm going to keep going with that.
1: I got a question for you. I've been meaning to ask you this. Uh, Speaking of weekly things that uh, we do and everything like your polls, uh, you've been catching the new uh, Star Trek. I mean, hold on. let's just set the, the tone here. You are a huge Trekkie. You love Star Trek. You like it way more than Star Wars. Star Trek is your thing. So I bet you were super excited when they announced a brand new series is coming out on your favorite channel of all time, CBS. So how do you feel about it? Well, first off is to say, yes, I was very
0: excited. I was like, oh, really? Until until they say, oh, we're going to premiere it, and then you have to go subscribe to CBS Access. Okay, I can put my name or my email in and put a sign in. Oh, no, you've got to pay for it. Bull crap. I'm not <laughs> going to do that. I don't care how good it is. I'll wait for the DVD. it will come out on Amazon Prime. I'll get Marty's Netflix account. I'm sure it will show up in a year from now. not a fan i'm not a fan of paying for free tv no (laughs) cbs comes over the air thank you very
1: much (laughs) oh yeah that's 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 true but i mean i thought for sure at least for the the time that it was available you might pay for it until the the series was done no oh i invest money into a series
0: that you don't know if it's got longevity. Right. Now, maybe if it gets picked up for another season or a season after that, or maybe Scott Bakula shows up and tries to become a captain again. If I want to watch Star Trek, I'll go over to BBC America, and I'm sure I can catch either Next Generation or Voyager or, unfortunately, Deep 6-9. Let the, let the hate mail begin. I, or even one of the classics. I can go over there and check them out. But I do not need to go pay CBS All Access.
1: But out. you could watch all your other shows. You could watch your NCISs. And... I don't watch NCIS. That's your show. Okay, uh, okay, whatever the Senior Citizen show are that you watch. Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods. <laughs> that's still on?
0: He's still alive? Uh, Marky's brother? Yeah, Marky Mark's brother's still there. Donnie's still on there.
1: No, I'm talking about... Um, Tom oh, Selleck. Yeah,
0: Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I., Yeah. Yeah. He's on there with his big old mustache. He most certainly is. And then MacGyver, the new MacGyver. I don't want to hear it. I'm sure you were watching some show that, is out there that is all artsy and stuff. I, I don't know what you're watching now. Have you? Oh uh, well, any? yeah, we just
1: binge watched Stranger Things two. Once again, you got to pay for it. Well, yeah, Netflix is flipping awesome. They got all the good Marvel stuff, but Stranger Things two, we just finished it. Uh, I was funny. I asked my family which did you like better, season one, season two, and they both liked them really. They said about the same, but they're different. But it was funny. I read this article about how Netflix does it. I don't. You don't have Netflix, so just so you'll know, when when a show. Comes out on Netflix, they don't release them one episode at a time. They're just like, here, here's 13 episodes or eight episodes or whatever. I read this really good article on The Nerdist how they wish they wouldn't do that. And I was the same way with Stranger Things too, because as soon as it came out, people rushed through them and watched them. And then you got to avoid social media because you don't want any spoilers. And in this Nerdist article, they talked about they really wish they would have released it one episode a week. Much like you do with like Game of Thrones or Walking Dead, because those are water cooler shows. Like when an episode comes out, people get online, you talk about it, you theorize about that episode, you dig into the episode before getting into the next one. But with something like Stranger Things, don't shake your head at me. They I know don't. you don't watch those shows, but I'm just saying that that it's cool to sit down with people after an episode and, and digest it and talk about it. But when they dump them all at once, it, it, it robs us of the ability to be able to do
0: that. Sure it does. I mean, but if you're like oh, me, my I don't do social media, so I don't have to worry about seeing that. If someone posts something on Facebook, I guess. Well, yeah,
1: it, it worked. Don't you get with people and say, hey, did you see that episode of whatever last night and you talk about it? Okay, first
0: off, I work for a very old utility whose average age of my group is close to 50. So we can all reminisce about, did you see how Tom Selleck defeated the mayor in Blue Bloods?
1: There's a prime example. It's one a week. You sit there and you talk about Tom Selleck and blue bloods. Now imagine if they all came out at once and then you go, what episode are you up to? It's like, wait, don't tell me because I haven't watched that episode yet. That's what happened with the stranger things too. And, and the other stuff like the, the punisher that's getting ready to come out. You know, somebody's going to watch through that real quick and you have to avoid spoilers and everything. Well, anyway, I'm just surprised you ain't watching star Trek. I've heard it was good. I haven't watched it, but I heard it was good, so hopefully when it comes out, to something more accessible. And since you're an honest person and you won't go online and download the torrents for free, no. which is very admirable, you eventually
0: you'll get to see it, I'm sure. Uh, I hope so. Now, I will say this. I have not started watching
1: Inhumans, have you? No way. They got horrible reviews. But, but In fact, did you not say- try it once? No. No, I thought I even thought the previews looked horrible, and now Marvel's distancing themselves from it. It was like this was not good. It's like season two. I mean, they don't even want to talk about a potential season two. Season two, the ratings are so bad. Okay, so I can delete that off the DVR. Well, I mean, if you're enjoying it, watch it. But to be honest with you, to me, the better Marvel based show that's brand new this year is The Gifted from Fox. That's a pretty good show. Okay. See,
0: I, I don't know. I haven't even started it yet because, you know, we get so far behind in Chicago
1: PD, Chicago oh, Fire. Lord. Wait a minute. One of those is NBC, isn't it? There you go. It's NBC. Oh, look at there. NBC. Nice. Mm-hmm. So you do need the pliers to change the channel to another uh, station.
0: It's all on the DVR. I don't even know what channel most of this stuff is on. Sheesh. <laughs> <Jeez>. I can't <laughs> help it. Oh, hey, you know what's more important than TV? What? Board games. Portal at Essen. Big announcements. Ignacy, you did it again. We thought in 2017 with First Martians, re-release of Robinson, that, hey, how could you follow it up with, you know, alien artifacts at the end of the year? Oh, no. 2018, you're ready to go with an expansion already for alien artifacts. Discovery... Then there's the Robinson Crusoe expansion for the Lost City of Z. That's a great movie, Marty. I enjoy that movie. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. And the thing that perked up our little squirrel ears, Monolith Arena. This is a new fantasy battleground game by Michael Orks and Ignacy, inspired by the Hiroshima Hex World. So much goodness coming out of Portal. Can't wait. Don't want to wish my life away, but 2018 looks to be another big year for Portal Games.
1: earlier this summer this last summer a month or so ago several weeks ago <laughs> nick from fun again game don't shake your head at me <laughs> a while ago a month
0: ago two months ago
1: i don't remember what it was it was some point in time before now nick oh. from fun again games reached out to us and say hey Uh, We got this game that's going to be coming out that we're going to be carrying from Spielworks called Gentus. Would you be interested in trying it? So I looked it over. I said, yeah, Nick, send it. We'll we'll try that out. So we got this game, and it was around Gen Con. And with everything coming out at Gen Con, well, this kind of got lost in the shuffle. It was thrown into a pile and we were talking about all the latest Gen Con hotness. And then we finished that up. And right now, Essen just occurred. So the Essen stuff's getting ready to hit, and we had this little lull. So Tony, I said, Oh, yeah, by the way, there was this game, JITIS, from Spillworks that Nick sent us and wants to look at. And he said, You want to try it? And you went, Yeah, sure. And we, so we got together and tried this game from Stefan Ristous, which is the designer of Arkwright. And I went, Uh oh, is this going to be one of those deep, long games like Arkwright is? And Tony had, uh, pleasantly surprised that it was not. No,
0: it was not long. It was not complicated. The rules were fairly simple to learn. Matter of fact, it was easy to understand pleasantly surprised now as always with me executive summary for those who like to you know not be wait well what's he think what's he think love it plain and simple love it wow it's it's up for a squirrely we know that there's a couple games that we already know we know that we may not even have we may have to have individual categories and squirrelys for our love of certain games this year so we don't even have to have the competition
1: yeah, and I think that's why Tony and I really wanted to talk about this, because this shocked both of us at how much, not only that we liked it, Tony, but everybody that we sat down with and played it and taught it to after it was over went, that was good. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the, the rules were easy to learn. This is, I want to give actually a shout out here. I was like, is there anybody online that, that's taught this game? Just did a quick YouTube search. And there's a channel that came up called Just Play. I had never heard of them. They, uh, this is a gentleman that only has six or seven videos, but he did one for this. And I went and watched. It's about a 40, 45 minute video. And it's in the, uh, it's in the style of like Rado, right? He's holding a camera and he's showing uh, the the cards and stuff and the board on the table and explaining the rules. But it's not like Rado in the sense where he just hits record and goes for forty five minutes. He does edit stuff out, so there's cuts in between. So he you know he jumps to each of the rules section and stuff. Did a really good job of giving an overview of this game. And after watching it, I said, okay, I, I kind of got an understanding of this. Then I read the rules myself. And I knew there was something in it that I was going to like. Tony, have you ever read the rules before you even play the game? And you sit there and go, I really like this and can't wait to try it out. And that's exactly what happened to me with this game when it came to the action selection mechanic.
0: Okay, so you just asked me, have I ever read the rules before I played a game? Yes.
1: I'm sorry. Have you ever read the rules? And as you read the rules, there's something in there that you went, okay, wow, that's cool. I can't wait to try it out.
0: Yes. And- I don't know what it was for you, but for me, the player board that's in front of everybody, there's a main board and a player board. These actions that Marty is going to tell us about, he doesn't know he's going to tell us about it, but he is.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Hold on, I better look this up real quick.
0: They make this game for me. that I love how when you take an action, there's this time element, hence the name of the show, time. There's this time element associated, and you only get so many actions that you can take as you fill this board up you've got to make some decisions on how you want to spend the time and fill up this action part of the board. Uh, that's, That's what sold me on this game. I'm like, wow, there is a lot here. I need to plan accordingly for this. And how much is it going to cost me? Amazing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, people may be wondering, what is gentis? It's a group of families in ancient Rome who shared a name and claimed a common origin. So the idea is that you're trying to build your family over the course of the time. So the art and stuff is very. What would you say? It almost it does It almost looks like caveman drawings, but it's not. It's beyond that. It's it's thousands of BC's old types of drawings and scripts and everything like that. So the idea is that you're somewhere out in the uh, the Mediterranean or something like that, trying to. Build your family or start a country. now unfortunately, the theme doesn't really flow through there. That's what it is. But I never felt like I was playing that. It's kind of a knock on it, but but it is what it is. yeah, you're being kind there. <laughs> Yeah, well, but what I loved about this game is, and I, and I'm calling it this, and there's a reason why I'm calling this a reverse worker placement game. And here's the reason why, you know, in a worker placement game, Tony, at the very beginning, you're given a pool of workers and you've got an empty board out in front of you and you take one of your workers and you claim an action. And usually that blocks somebody else from taking that action. Once all your workers are gone, that's it. You're done for that round. Mm -hmm. Now I call this. Reverse because what happened is is you seed the board with these action tokens, and on and on your board, like you said, you've got these open slots on your board that these tokens can go. You got a limited number. When you take one of these actions, you pick it up and put it on your board, and then there's a time associated with it. It's either one hourglass or two hourglasses. So you put a token on your board and then an hourglass token or two. Now, there's another option that I'll talk about that in a minute that takes up slots on your board. Once all your slots are full, you're done for that round. So that's what I'm saying is like a reverse worker placement, because once you take that tile, nobody else can take it. Uh, just mm-hmm. like a regular worker placement. But in a regular worker placement game, usually over the course of the game, you get more workers to take more actions. In this game, you uncover more slots on your board that allow you to take more actions. And once you're done with the round, you take all the tiles that you accumulated, the action tiles put them back on the board, and you're ready to go to the next round again. Reverse worker
0: placement. And there's even some with three hourglasses. I mean, you've got to be able to manage the time your workers are working. When you send out your navigator you know, to build another city in the Mediterranean and get the benefits of that city, there's a cost to it. Because uh, you said, you're right, you take that action. But you also have to have money in order to pay these workers to go out there and do that. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting there saying, okay, fine. I'm going to do the navigator action, and this one costs four and two time tokens, or I don't have to spend any money. It's going to cost me three time tokens, and you've got to contemplate that because on your next, because once you're done, once you're full of all that, that on your board, that's it. You're over. It's it's done for that round. Yeah, for that round. And so, like you said, you got to clean it off, but you also got to sit there and think, hmm. Is Marty going to take that action token? Because I really need that one too, but I really need to go do this one over
1: here. Yeah. And I think probably the main thing that you're trying to do is you talked about buildings and and buildings will give you additional things. Like when you place a building, it might give you victory points or it might give you uh, some tokens that you can put on your board that you can use for your workers or for controlling your populations. And Tony, I know you won't talk about the population. So I won't talk about that because that's a really cool aspect too. But all of this is kind of a goal is to get cards uh, that's dealt to you at the beginning of the game and play it out on the table because these cards are going to give you benefits. And maybe it's at the end of each round, you'll get some additional money or it's going to help you increase your population because there are some actions that you need to take Uh, where you need to have a certain population number to be able to do things like play one of those cards I was just talking about. And also the cards give you victory points, which is probably your main way to get victory points Mm -hmm. over the course of the game. So one of the actions is, is playing a card, which takes time. Another action is actually there's a market of cards on the table. You go claim a card, which takes time and money. And, And so it's just a constant balancing of, uh, of this planning that you have to make. It's like, I need to get some more money. I'll go take this action to get more money. So I have money to go take this time token because I don't have enough slots to pay three time tokens. I only cannot pay one. So I'll pay the difference with the money so I can get it out there so I can get this, so I can get this card, so I can get it to play to give me a benefit. You know, it's the typical Euro thing at that point. But it's the mechanisms of the action selection mechanic and this population mechanic that really sets it it apart from other games. And I like how in those cards that you said, that's how you get your victory points
0: right there. There are some other ways to get victory points. Like you said, on the board, you get two if a city is in a certain region at the end of each round, if you so choose that, or... Maybe you'll – the first could put all six of your cities out on the board. You get eight points, and then if you follow up, you get four points. But the key element is those cards that you just talked about playing. And on uh, age two and age one, there are symbols on these cards that when you play or put that card down on the board for in your player area,
1: if that matches up, if that symbol matches up to previous cards – additional victory points. So that'll drive you towards a certain card that you want to buy in the market because of those additional victory points when you put that card into play. But do you really want to buy that card
0: because it doesn't have the immediate effect that you want or the ongoing effect that you can use, but man, it's got three victory points immediately, plus it matches up to the other three symbols that you have across your player board. And you're like, oh, victory points or an action if I buy that card... Man, that's a tough decision to make. How am I going to maximize
1: that out? And I talked about the cost to play a card. So you got to take a token to play a card. And it may cost you some time. But then the cards have individual costs themselves. You mentioned buildings. Some of them require certain buildings to be put in certain areas. And if you do, you could play that card. But the other main thing is... Is do you have the right population of these types of workers in play? There's six of them. There's uh, six different types of workers that include a merchant, a noble, a scholar, a soldier, a priest, and an artisan. Now you might think there's probably six tracks that for track those, so you can track the population of each one of those. Tony, this was the one of the best tug of war parts of any game I've ever seen. There's only three tracks. So for example, one track has a noble on one side and an artisan on the other. And there's cubes that you move between the two to show how much of a population you can have. The thing is, though, is you can never have more more than six total of those combined. So you might have six nobles, zero artisans, or six artisans and zero nobles, or maybe three of each. And it's this back and forth that you constantly have to manipulate in order to put some of these cards out into play. So say, for example, there's a card that says, well, you need five nobles, but you happen to have five artisans. That means you need to go and take some actions to change the populations in order to move your cubes towards more artisans which will decrease or or more nobles, which will decrease the the other one. So there's three tracks with each of those combinations and it's that tug and pull, tug and push. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was that push and pull. There you go. It's that push and pull between those three tracks that is also tough to manage and negotiate over the course of the game. Because
0: you're sitting there looking at the cards that you want to buy and you're like, oh man, I do not have the right military in order to buy this. I'm going to have to now go take the philosopher action to train up my military and that's going to cost me money and is that there? Do I, so? Do I need to buy that card? I mean, there is a lot of planning, but you know, I never felt like the AP was intense, except when oh. there was when there was some money issues.
1: Well, I, yeah, I, t- there was some AP. Towards the end of that game, there was some AP going on. Because at that point, you you sit there, wow, I've only got three slots left on my player board that I can take actions with, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, how can I best maximize those three slots some AP did occur and in a game like this, where you have to do a lot of planning. I think that's a natural occurrence. So that if you get play with people that have a lot of AP, that, that could be a, a negative for you. And I talked about the whole populations and what the cards do for you. Nice thing is about some of those cards. If you plan ahead, say there's, man, I really need some artisans. There are some cards that will give you like a virtual artisan where you met your cube may be sitting on three artisans, but you got a plus one artisan on your card. So it's really like you have four. Mm-hmm. And also there's these cubes that on your board that when you place your buildings allow you to place a, a, a cubes on an oracle portion of your board or a temple portion of your board. And at any time you can turn in any three of those to change the population. The oracle, Tony, you did this a lot. And this is really cool. Uh, when you place a building in an oracle uh, slot, you get to put an oracle cube. In, in your Oracle area on the board. we On your turn, you can spin that to change the values of two of your population. One must go up and one must go down. And I must say, Tony, in that first game that we played where you killed us, you did a great job of using those cues to manipulate the population to what you needed it to
0: be. So there's another option. So, right, you're yeah, I, was, I was heavy on the Oracle. Now, where Chris was using the one where on the Temple side, where it counts as a worker, a free worker of your choice. And, mm-hmm. he was, and he was doing that. And the way you, of course, place those cubes are the fact that you've got the cities out there that give you that func- that capability to add those cubes. You're sitting there saying, well, what is my strategy in this game? And when I played the game again, I completely reversed my strategy. And that, to me, is a way for a game to say, hey, how good is this? And I, was, I didn't win, but I was still in the running. I never felt like I was far behind. And even when the games ended, we looked at the board and it was still
1: pretty freaking tight. Even though you say I killed y'all, I didn't really kill you. I mean, we were pretty tight. I was very concerned. And we talked about the, the managing. Now, here's an option we didn't talk about. Each of the hourglass tokens has one hourglass on one side and two on the other. So let's say, for example, I take an action that costs two hourglasses. So I take the, maybe the action tile, put it down and then I only have one spot left on my board to put an hourglass tile, I have to flip it to the two side. What's the negative of that? After everybody finishes what we call the heyday phase, where everybody has taken all their actions, you go to the decline phase where you return all your your action markers to the board and everything. But then what you do is you go down your track and return all single hourglass tokens to the pool. But if you have one with two, you flip it over to the single side. So what that's costing you is one action slot for the next turn. Mm Mm-hmm. So you really need to say, oh, can I
0: afford that in a later round? Now, on your board, some of the action slots are blocked. And the way to remove those are through the cards. And we felt like those cards were very valuable. And I mean, we were all kind of clamoring for them. But in my my very first one, I really didn't get to remove any. And I was able to do fairly well. But in the second game I played, I was like, hey, I'm going to try to eliminate those. And I never felt like I was hurting for actions to take in that game. So it is, it's a balance. But I also, Marty, you know, I, I contemplated, I think we're going to really need money in this game. In the second game, I was like, the money's not that important as long as I manage my si-. There was just so much going, ways to change the board to help change the strategy based on the cars that were coming out. And that to me is a mark
1: of a good game. It's not one constant winning way to do it. Yeah, so what you're saying is there's multiple paths to victory, right? And any good euro is going to be that if everybody's taking the exact same path to generate victory points, that's not very exciting. But if everybody has these different strategies that are one of doing and whoever can maximize their strategy the best is probably going to win the game. And another one of the things about those cards, I told you how they were so important. Some of the cards actually give you an additional action on it. Mm-hmm. So there's an action slot that you have that nobody else can take that will allow you to do one of the actions on your turn. You just take a cube from the pool to cover it up to show that you've used it. The beauty of that is that means you're not taking an action tile and putting it on your board. The only thing you're having to put on your board is a time uh, selection tile. And it's this is neat too. At the very end of the game, if you've got cards left in your hands, if you can't satisfy the costs to put the, to have put those cards into play, it will cost you victory points. So it'll take the half, half of the value of those victory points and subtract them from your total. But if you happen to have everything, all the populations you need to get those cards into play, but you didn't have a chance to do it, you actually get half of those victory points. That was a neat thing too, that we all struggled with in that last round of like, uh uh-oh, I need to adjust my population or this is going to cost me. And one thing, you cannot stockpile cards in your hand to play them later
0: because there is a hand limit of three. And if you have more than three, you have to put an
1: hourglass in your action area. Oh, so good. So good. And I know I know, people are probably like, this sounds like a lot. I'm telling you, on your turn, all you do is you take an action. Again, it's like a worker placement. You take a worker, you put it on the board. Here, you take an action tile you resolve it, you put it on your board, and you're done until all the slots are full. It's just, what actions do I take when? What order do I take them? What do I take now because I don't want Tony to get this tile because I need that tile? Dang you, Mark, you took the tile I was getting ready to take. Now I have AP because I can't decide what I want to do. All that, all that's in there. And Tony, you said at the beginning, you said that this is up for a squirrely award, And I'm with you because, because you and I got to play a lot of really good Euros this year. We talked about London and how much we enjoyed it. I know that you had a couple issues with Lignum, but overall we enjoyed that game. Earlier this year, you and I loved, loved, loved Lorenzo El Magnifico. And you and I were like, this is our Euro of the year until I played this game. And now I'm not so sure. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to make two categories. The game that I really, 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 really liked it
0: in the first quarter, the game I really, really, really liked in the (laughs) third quarter, that's how how I'm going to play it. Well, based on when I played it, because if someone had gotten this off his shelf sooner before Gen Con, it could have been in the second quarter, but he didn't.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Now, here's the bad thing. Here's the bad, bad thing. This is not readily available in the U.S., Fun Again has some, you can go pick it up there, but this is not going to be the one of these that you can just walk into your game store and pick up because right now there's not a distributor that's that's putting these out in the US. Fun Again went and got some from Spillworks and, and brought them over here. So what I did today, and I don't know if this will do any good, since this was from the same designer that designed Arkwright, I sent an email to Clay Ross at Capstone Games. I said, dude. I know you probably know about this game and probably other people have already mentioned it, but there's a plus one from us. If you would bring this over to the U.S. and put your Capstone Games logo on it and sell it, because I think this could be a a big hit. This is a mid-weight Euro, but it's the two things that really set itself apart for me. That reverse work replacement and the controlling of the population makes it different than any other Euro I've played this year, which is why it's going to the top of my list. I think
0: you're absolutely, I love this in the rule book. How to play, section four, heyday phase, perform action, 4.2, decline phase. Clean up the board.
1: That's it. That's it. And and it's like, it can't be that simple. No, it really is that simple. It's just understanding what these actions do and how they work. And that's it. All right, Marty. So is it on the shelf? Is it a keeper? No, I want it to be on the table. I was jealous the other night because this came out during Booby Q. And uh, uh, you got to play it along with three other people. And, and it only plays up to four people. Mm-hmm. And I was really wishing it was a five-player game. So I said, you know, fine. Uh, you other guys play it. I was jealous Playing the other games I was playing because I really was looking forward to play this again. So, no, I don't want it on my shelf. I want it on the table because I want to play it again now. And it doesn't take that long, Tony. What, hour and a half, two hours? I mean, th- and your later games, how long were you finishing up? Uh, probably because you knew the actions,
0: you knew the thing. Maybe an hour and a half at the most. That is a perfect sweet spot for a mid-weight Euro game. Lots of decisions, easy to learn, and pretty quick. Unless you're playing and you're sitting over there going, I don't have enough money! Oh, man. I was like, come on. You should have known that. You should have figured that out. But I want to do this. But I want to do this. No, you can't do that. Okay, move on. Pick the money. Grab the tax collector action so you can have money. It's not that hard. But I want to do this because he's going to do that. Oh, so many times did we hear this.
1: I'm sad. I was sorry.
0: I know. That's okay. So for me, of course, this game is going to be on the shelf it's going to be one that i cannot wait to play again i mean the only competition for this for me this year i mean there's plenty of competition for board games i mean if you had lorenzo and this on there it would be very hard for me to choose but i do have one issue one issue with the game what this game needs is more cowbell
1: Mm I talked about how much of a pain the setup was for warring colonies. Well, That's where somebody like Broken Token can really help out because they do have a great organizer for Dead of Winter for setup and takedown of that game, making it easy to get on the table and then put away when you're done. They're always coming out with brand new products. In fact, they just announced they're doing a pre-order right now for the Scythe Legendary Box. That is a beast of a game. And for only $25, you can go out and pre-order this game. It's going to be coming out December 5th. So if you want a, a quick way to get your game out onto the table and then back into the box when you're done, you need to go check out this new organizer from Broken Token, Scythe Legendary Box, and you could do that at thebrokentoken.com.
0: So, in October, Halloween is upon us, and we have a great time. One of my favorite things to do is go game over, with my good buddies, Marty, because Vanessa goes all out. She decorates that house up and down. And I know Marty helps her. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Anyway, but one of my favorite things is they have this ghost that sits on the toilet. And when you go in there, (laughs) and when you go in there, it's from Hallmark. And you go in there, and he's motion activated. Marty's got a video on our Facebook of him doing it. And one of my favorite sayings is, this isn't
1: the ball you're looking for.
0: I love him.
1: You you left out the best part. This isn't the ball you're looking for. Okay. So he says, okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) So when Marty said, we are doing a barbecue. And our good buddy, Steve Gibbs said, yep, I've got the barbecue, a world-renowned barbecue guy. I mean, go check out his websites. He's a, he's a, still a judge, isn't he?
1: I think so. I don't know if he still judges, but I know he judged at one time. I mean, he's a pit master. This guy knows his barbecue. So when this guy stepped up and said, hey, would you like us to make barbecue? <laughs> yes, we do. So he did a couple, I guess it was pork butts and some, uh, chickens. Uh, some barbecue chickens. Oh. Oh, so good. We started 11 a.m. Saturday morning. We probably had about 15 to 20 people here. People came in. We had tables set up all over the place. People brought in their food. And basically, we grazed on food and played games all day long for about 12 hours total. We had
0: pizza to begin it. Then we had shark's teeth. And then we had barbecue. And then we had
1: homemade pimento
0: cheese. If you don't know what that is, you don't know what you're missing.
1: Oh, that was so good. I Our good friend Rodney made that. Oh. We had three things of, I
0: think, mac and cheese, baked mac and cheese. It was a dietitian's
1: delight. Oh, and our, our our good buddy Chris had this really cool display where he carved a pumpkin, and he made homemade guacamole and a cheese sauce, and he cut a hole in the top of the pumpkin, and he had a bowl with the cheese dip, and then it was like the pumpkin was throwing up, and he was throwing up the guacamole, and he had chips there you could eat, and that guacamole was so... So good, and believe it or not, this wasn't about the food, even though we'd like to think it was. This was about <laughs> no. board gaming.
0: It was about board gaming. Oh, and uh,
1: Steve, you also know Steve because he did the RDTN logo that you see. Mm, that's that's exactly right. And a lot of people were trying, uh, basically, for games were leaning all uh, towards Halloween themed games. And like one of the first games I played, our buddy Nate taught us "Fearsome Floors" by uh, Friedman Freeze it's greens shock is a really cool little, uh, game where you're trying to, uh, escape. Uh, you have these little tokens that, uh, you, you move your, your people and the, and a little monster has an automated movement where he's trying to eat you and everything. It was a great way to kick off the game. I never played before. It's like a, like a 10 year old game or something like that. That was, that was a lot of fun.
0: Well, that was a fun game and I enjoyed the fact that I lost also poorly i didn't even make it out of the room um yeah i liked it but i did have one of my favorite mechanics from nuns on the run i like that you know where does the monster see you and he turns and he goes after you it, it, it was definitely a good light one to get kicked off before i kicked over to Gentis, but you're over there making a lot of noise with your stupid where words
1: <laughs> yes they had to bring out where words a lot of people had not played it and we had ted Osbach from bezier games on an episode 130 that game was a hit uh people had had never played insider before. So they didn't know what to expect. And we played and was like, okay, uh, this is like a lays game. You just don't play it one time. You don't eat just one. And so we played that game five or six times and they had a ball with that. That was a big hit for the day. And then we, it was designer heaven there. Mr.
0: Richard Lanius and Pete Shirey showed up. Oh, that was so good that they were there teaching
1: games and and having fun pete shirey uh is works now with seabon games but he's also a designer he designed a game uh delve uh designed uh shark island with richard uh, alonius and it's out on um upper deck uh but i called him up and i said hey richard uh, uh pete you want to come up he said yeah and richard lives right uh in the same town as he does he so wants richard to come too. He went yeah I'll bring him on and people were losing their minds tony to have the designer of Arkham Horror and all these other great games to come in for this Halloween event and play. So my wife, uh, her brother-in-law and their family all dressed up as characters from Arkham Horror, uh, like Jenny Barnes and, and etc. And they had these pictures and Richard Longinus loved it. We got these pictures with Richard. And then Richard offered to teach and run a game of Arkham Horror for Gosh, it was eight people. So there's eight people crammed around the game table. He was at the head running the game. It was awesome. It could have been neat, but it was awesome. No, it was more than neat. That was awesome. And before that, he and Pete talked Shark Island. So they got to play that. And we had Nate Bivens uh, teaching his game Sunday Split. Uh, which people really enjoy too. That's out on Renegade Games. So that was neat to sit there with these people and design these games and play. And we got all these backstories from Richard about these characters that he made. He told us Jenny Barnes was the first female character he ever made. And he told us about how some of the characters uh, uh, came to be or influenced by like his family and stuff like that. He took some of his ancestors' uh, stories and everything and and put them into the game and everything. Oh, so good. We got to play role player. First
0: time for me, first time for you. And then I had to leave because I had to go do another Halloween event.
1: He left Richard Launius and this incredible event to go play Euchre. Leave me alone. Euchre.
0: You don't even know how to play Euchre.
1: I don't want to know how to play Euchre. I can game. sit here and I oh. it's, it's like,
0: I love my card games. So, But we got to play role player. And then you and Pete and uh, was it Nate? Yes. Got to play what? You jerk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sentient, not sentient, sentient. So we got to play role player. And Tony, let me talk about this because I don't think you were too enthralled with role player. Now I had never played role player before and I'd heard a lot of buzz about it. I thought this was pretty cool. The idea is you're trying to develop your character that you would use in D&D where you're trying to roll dice and get the stats to a certain number. You need your charisma 18, your strength this or whatever. And if you can do that, you get points at the end of the game. I thought it was a neat little game, but you were over there with your arms crossed looking like you were not having fun at all. It
0: didn't grab me. And I love my, my dice games. Love dice games, but something about it. I guess maybe there was an initial turnoff on my character. I had the orc. My player board said, hey, you're going to be minus two. I think it was in Constitution or yeah, I think it was Constitution. But when I got my, what is it, my profession, I had to have 18 and one to get the most points, to get those four points, those four stars. But it was already down minus two. Well, I can only have three slots for three dice. Imagine that. So what does that mean? Well, that means a six plus a six plus a six is 18 minus two is a 16, which means I'll never get there. And then Nate's sitting there, well, don't worry. There'll be cars that come up that you will be able to modify that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I got one of those, but I needed it for, uh, it just mm, left a sour taste in my mouth. I think I could play it a couple more times and kind of get used to it. But when something like that occurs, where you have that immediate, this is not going to happen. Uh, you're kind of you're at an immediate disadvantage. You feel right as the game starts. As the game starts, where I know I'm not going to. Th- there's no way to meet that objective. I do not see that objective happening.
1: Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, well, what what fun is that? I get that, and that that was a good point. I I would play it again. Um, I I did enjoy it, but after it was over, uh, Pete had not played sentient. You see, I got a pause now when I say this and I told him, I said, you need to try this because this is also a dice manipulation game too. And, uh, he really enjoyed it. Uh, He had not played it. It is a different feel. It's way more thinky than what role player is, but he was a fan of that from renegade games. And he said, uh, he would like to uh, go get a a copy of that. And it was about that time that, uh, you know, you left and, uh, Pete and Richard had to get on the road to go back to uh, Greenville, South Carolina. So one thing that everybody was excited about playing was the new expansion for Dead of Winter, Warring Colonies, where the idea is you got the base game, you've got the long night, and you have two colonies pitted against each other and uh, going to get each other and and trying to win the game. So all day long, when we playing Warring Colonies? When we playing Warring Colonies? So I said, all right, let's do it now. Boy, oh boy, did that fall flat on its face. So I had a better time at Euchre? Dude, it did not go over well. Why? At all well, well number one i didn't have a co- i only have a copy of the dead of winter base game and we had to borrow somebody else's copy of the long night well you've got cards from that game warren con is and and longest is it long night or longest night whatever It's not just whatever. (laughs) The other expansion, you have to merge the cards. So I'm sitting there going, okay. Now as we as we set this game up, remember these cards are mine. Those tiles are mine. That board is mine. But that board is theirs, and those cards there. So it took us forever to even get this game set up. It is a long setup process. And then we sat down and started playing. Now, Tony, did you like the base game Dead of Winter?
0: Yeah, I enjoyed Dead of Winter. I know you had an issue with the little red toothy
1: dice. So yeah, I like Dead of Winter. One of the positive aspects or things that people really like about the Dead of Winter is the fact that there's a potential betrayer, right? There's somebody that's trying to, to mess you up. And how they do that is, is, at the beginning of each round, you're given an objective card and it says, okay, you need to have, uh, in this uh, round, you need to have by the end six fuel or, or the number of fuel cards equal to the number of players. So during your turn, you take cards face down and you put them into a pool. Yeah, And then at the end of the round, you shuffle them and then reveal, did you meet your objective? If not, then the colony was hurt. And that makes you think that there's a betrayer. In warring colonies, there is no betrayer. All the betrayer cards are pulled out and you play all your cards face up. So now this round objective is just kind of pain in the butt thing that you got to do. But there's no tension. There was always the tension at the end of the round of, are we going to meet the objective? Or not. And that's totally gone. So the idea is to replace that tension with fighting against the other colony. But that just, it just didn't go over well. When you fought against somebody, each of you had this hand of cards where you could modify your strength. And then after you did that, you counted up the uh, number of guns and stuff that you had with your characters, which could modify your strength. And then you rolled a D12, which could do damage or modify a strength. And then you did a blind bit of these bullets that you could add to your strength and the person with the most strength ones. It was just a convoluted way to resolve the combat to the point that we really almost didn't want to do it. And so then if we're, there wasn't a lot of combat going on, then that kind of defeated the whole purpose. Now, one of the things was you go into the enemy's colony and you do combat and you try to knock their morale down. It could have been the fact that the overall game objective that we had to win was the colony with the most bullets. What did I just say? You had to spend bullets to win the combat. So nobody wanted to go fight each other. So everybody was just kind of hoarding bullets. And then we got to the end. I was like, who's got the most bullets? Okay, you won. And then you still had your personal objectives. And if you completed your personal objective, then you won the overall game. It was it just did not go over well. well I hate to hear that. I hate that you spent your hard-earned money on that. And it just – you got to give it another try. I do. That was a one – but the entire the entire group. There were six of us playing. There was three and three. I can't imagine – I can't imagine playing five on five. Now, you say, how, how do you resolve five on five? The idea is that two of one from each team takes their turn at the same time. So a simultaneous uh, resolution. And when one person finishes, they flip over a two minute timer. And then the other team has two minutes to finish their turn. So that's how they try to keep the game moving. But still with five players, it would still on each team. It could potentially drag for e an odd number of players. There's this thing called the lone wolf where you could play with the odd number of players and the lone wolf is doing his own little thing, but we didn't get to check that part out. Well, this is funny that you said the lone wolf, cause now that takes me back to
0: a game we just reviewed recently called Richard the Lionheart where yeah you were battling it back and forth like that. So it sounds like the tension wasn't there like it was with Richard.
1: No, it, it was not. I need to do it again. It did just so happen that this, this one objective just, Maybe it didn't work we wanted to play a short version of the game. The crossroads cards, they didn't trigger that often. And when they did, you know, there's a crossroad card for each team, which could slow down the process. It was one of those things when we were all done, it's like we can't end the game. We can't end the night on that game. So our good buddy Chris Kirkman had sent us Fate of the Elder Gods from Greater Than Grames. uh, Greater Than Grames. Greater Than Games who's designed by uh, Daryl Louder, Chris Kirkman, and Richard Launius. Now, Tony... That game ended as a hit. That is a lot of fun. The idea is you're, you're playing as cultist, trying to call down your god. Meanwhile, the game has investigators is trying to shut you down. And it's, it's this little uh, mechanic where you play a card to move a character to one of the altars on the board. And then you go to that uh, altar and... And each of the altars do special things for you. You collect uh, you collect resources and stuff. The idea is each one of these uh, altars does something and you need to do them in a certain order so that you can get more cards in your hand, find artifacts and stuff to make it easier to open the gate, blah, blah, blah. But it, it was, it was a, a lot of fun and we enjoyed it way more than War and Colonies. I hate to miss that one. You got to bring it to game night. Yeah. And it looks good. It is a gorgeous little game. The thing that, uh, most people liked about it was there's two ways for the game to end. Uh, you have, each person has a track, a circular track that they're trying to move a token around clockwise. And if they get, it starts at zero, if it gets to nine, then they've summoned their God, they win the game. Likewise, investigators are trying to shut you down. And if they, and if they, uh, enough of them get into your lodge you have to resolve like fighting against the investigators and they're trying to put seals on they put seals on starting at number nine going counterclockwise if anybody ever gets nine seals the game stops and then the person with the least amount of seals wins so those two game ending dynamics are are really cool it's like everybody's trying to shoot for the end but also trying to minimize the number of uh, elder signs that they have so that in case somebody loses that you could still end up winning the game overall. Once again, bring it to game night so I can have a shot at it. Don't move
0: on to something else. You're teasing me with this. I need to <laughs> see what this game's going to be. Now that was the
1: last game of the night. So hopefully
0: you'll be doing this again next
1: year. Uh, it was funny before booby happened. Got to say that kind of booby Q happened. Uh, Vanessa's like, I said, is this going to be an annual thing? She said, let's see how it goes. So after everybody left, I looked at her. She said, Oh, yeah, we're doing this again. So that was a lot of fun. Thank you to everybody who came out. Uh, thank you to Pete and Richard for coming. I mean, the food was great. The games were great. It's one of those things I would love to have somewhere where we could have 50, 60, 70 people and just invite anybody that wants to come out. Hey, maybe if we uh, maybe run a Kickstarter or a fundraiser or something like that and get enough money, maybe we can do that somewhere in the future. But yes, we are planning on doing it again. I think it's called Mega Moosecon. That's true. But it was cool having the Halloween themed uh, event, right? It all kind of worked together. So that was a blast. And uh, I got to play a lot of great games. And yes, I will bring Fate of the Elder Gods and we'll try it out because I really think you'll dig it. Next year when this happens
0: and occurs, I should have by then my game topper. So so I can bring it out to your house and put it on that table I was on and dress it up. And and then we'll have another game table there. We're going what we need to do is figure out what we're going to do with that pool table of yours.
1: Yeah, that needs to be converted into something else because it's it's never used for pool. It's used for miniature games, but but never for pool. So again, great time at uh, booby Q. If you want to, you can go out to our Facebook page. I posted some videos of the setup of it. I posted a live video of what was going on and I've got an album out there with a lot of pictures of people being dressed up and the food and the games we we're playing. So you can check that out our Facebook page at Roll Dice Take Names. And while you're there, go ahead, Give us a like and uh, talk with us over there. BBQ 2017 was a success. Can't wait for 2018. Tony, you and I covered a lot. We crammed a lot. I felt like I was just talking just as fast as I can to cover all these different things that I want to talk about. Hey, we're out of time. I know, and I'm sad. Let's end this. I still have more I want to talk about.
0: No, let's end this thing. Let's get it on. Let's. let's put an end to this what
1: about our vassal auction that's going on right now though it's going very well last time i
0: checked and i'm very excited about that because you never do know what's going to end up with that box but
1: and what is it because we haven't told anybody in case they haven't been out to the jack vassal memorial fund auction we are giving away a box of squirrels just like we did last year this is a box of Eh, I'm shrugging. I don't know what's going to be in there, but it's going to be stuff and it's going to be good. And you might want to bid on it.
0: Yeah. And remember, people, I'm moving. So you don't know what's going to be in there. I could have found some stuff that I don't want to carry with me. It's yours now.
1: That's right. So you don't know what you're bidding on, but there will be a game in there at minimum. In fact, we just announced our stretch goal while Richard Launius was here for barbecue. We went out and bought a copy of Elder Sign. One of my favorites. And had Richard sign the cover of the box, Tony meticulously cut away some of the, the the wrapping just to expose one corner of the box. He signed it. That will be going in our box of squirrels. And that, my friends, by itself is worth a lot. So that is one of our stretch goals. And our other stretch goal is the winner will get to pick a topic for Tony and I to discuss in an upcoming segment of Flying Squirrels. Oh really? Did I agree to this? I don't remember this. I
0: don't remember. I don't see this. It wasn't written on our Slack channel. I don't remember this. Okay, fine. Fine. I'll, I agree to it.
1: Are you scared? Come on. It's two minutes. Somebody's going to give us a, a two-minute topic to talk about. You can talk about it for two minutes. As long as it's family appropriate. Yeah,
0: This is going to be a train wreck. I'm going to see right <laughs> now. So, I mean, if any of you said you can't put a price on it. yeah, you can. It's at least worth, Elder Signs is at least worth $35. I can tell you that.
1: Uh, yes, but with Richard signed it—that's
0: a different story now.
1: And hey, who knows? Maybe we'll pay. To, uh, well, maybe we'll print out a five by seven with you and I standing with him after he signed it. That's got to be worth whatever the paper that it's printed on, right?
0: It's not even worth that. It's it's good kindling starters. What that's worth. <laughs> so yes, I'm very excited for the vassal auction. Thank you so much for those who've already bid on our. There's a ton of stuff out there. I've been out watching the Vassal auction scene. If there's anything out there that catches my eye, there is a lot of interesting items out there to bid. So if you, if this sounds like something good and you don't want to go, I think it's on the fifth page of the Vassal auction is where it is, our item. It'll be in the uh, link of this blog post for this episode. Okay, note to self, another thing you make me do in the blog. Yeah, I'll have that right there, so it'll be done. It's also, of course, on our BGG Guild. If you haven't joined our BGG Guild, please do. It's it's a fun guild.
1: It is. Uh, we, we That's all I'm going to say about that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's done. Uh, yes, please do. We talked about a Facebook page earlier. Please go join our BGG Guild at 1589. Uh, we always love to have our polls and discussions and talk about the episodes as they come out and tony we're going to be heading uh into post-essen and christmas season so i cannot wait to see what games that we're going to be covering in the next few weeks as we head towards the christmas season and our big five-year anniversary episode in december i can't believe that five years dude five that's unreal I am amazed by that.
0: But more importantly, what we need to do now is we need to be quiet so that we can go get in line to go see Thor.
1: <laughs> That's right. As of this recording, it's opening tomorrow night. I will be there at seven o'clock. Can't wait to see it. I've heard it's funny and and kind of different than the the first two two Thor. So I, I can't wait to see it. Maybe maybe now you and I will agree on this one when, when we're done, because we seem to can't agree on TV shows. This is true. So, keep rolling dice. And taking names. If you enjoy our show, please help us out by going out to iTunes and leaving us a positive review. Also, subscribe to us on Twitter, Facebook, and our BGG Guild.
0: Okay, Marty make him say some things welcome welcome trick-or-treat shut the door have a seat come on in and rest your feet and sit here on the throne nice to meet you i'm your host hope you're not afraid of ghosts have no fear just sit right here and make yourself at home (laughs) he cracks
1: me up Essen is over but I know our friends over at Fun Again Games love to get some stock from Essen and bring it back. So for those of us who did not get a chance to go, so make sure to go check out their website and see a lot of the brand new games that they've posted into their inventory and can ship straight to you from FunAgain.com. Hey, Marty, did you see the game of the week? No, what is it? Sentient. You're just doing that to, to annoy me, aren't you? Yep. Yep.